Welcome again to the Silverlight Photoco podcast. When I say it's possible to create high quality on a low budget, are you the type of person who is skeptical or are you like, yeah, totally, you know, why not? Well, I'm going to talk about the differences between those two viewpoints today. So I'm going to split this into what I call legacy and innovative. So I'm going to talk about two target audiences that I have that are very different. And yet, I think they can learn a lot from each other in the sense that one is like above where I am and I'm still learning from. And the other one is like, I've been there and I have a lot of great advice for that, for this crowd. Well, I'm all about helping that person get going and produce high quality results without a lot of money. So if you listen to my last podcast episode talking about why I use lens sensor specific LUTs, it's to make lower quality lenses doable and, and workable. So so they produce high quality results. And that's what I'm doing with my lens sensor LUTs in camera settings recommendations. But the other crowd, the one I'm still learning from, is the real filmmaker. And I'm going to go ahead and say that the other crowd is the fake filmmaker. All right. And there's there's a little bit of a sort of a joke here. So it's not completely um, honest way to say it. But the real filmmaker is the person who has been doing the same way for the last 25 years or so, maybe 50 years. And they're they're the five-person minimum crew. They're the 50, 100,000, 200, you know, million-dollar budget. And they're the high-end cameras with the match lens sets that I talked about in the last episode, right? Whereas the fake filmmaker is probably going to be a solo to start with. Um, they're not going to have a crew, and they're not going to have a budget, really. At hardly at all. So the question is, how do you reconcile these two audiences? How do you make sense out of, the, I mean, how do I speak to both of these crowds? Can I speak to both of these crowds? Do I have anything to say to those who have been in the industry for 50 or 25 or 50 years? I certainly feel like I have things to say to the people who were in my shoes six months ago. <laughs> I mean, where I was six months ago. I think that things are, this is a really hard phrase to say, things are changing. And I, I say it's a hard thing to say because um, I've seen different industries. I grew up as in the graphic design industry. The, the printing uh, was a part of the training I had. And I watched the printing industry move from they called it direct-to-plate was the end result. So they moved from using film negatives to create the printing plates, and then it got to a point where they were outputting the film digitally. That was a big step. And then they got to the point where they were outputting the the plates that go on the press straight out of the printer. So huge changes. Everything had to change from, you know, a paste-up, which was a cutting pieces of paper and putting them on a big sheet and taking a picture of that whole thing. That was the layout. To doing the layout in the computer program, such as Adobe InDesign. And then the transition was so painful to watch, I wasn't 
going through that transition, but I watched people who were older and they had been in the industry for 15 or 20, 30 years maybe, and they had to change from this technology to a digital workflow. And that's why I say, if I if I say the phrase, things are changing, it's just like there's a little bit of, oh, I don't really want to say that because it's hard to tell people who have been in the industries for so long that cameras that are $300 on the used market can produce results that are indistinguishable from a $50,000 film camera, maybe even indistinguishable from a $30,000 digital cinema camera. Now, I say indistinguishable. I'm not saying that if you go and do color grading on it, you won't notice that the image from the less expensive camera falls apart quicker. I'm uh, very acquainted with, um, I de- I've dealt with images from many, many different still cameras for, for many years. And even though that's easier to correct an image from a still camera, especially if it's raw, but we didn't usually have raw images submitted, it's worse with a motion image or a MPEG file because of the fact that you have a lot of compression. You're not capturing as, as large of an image. It's not going to capture the same dynamic range and all that. But the fact is, grading or color correcting with a, an image from a lower quality camera is more difficult. We know that. There's just a ton of more dynamic range and information in the uncompressed file that comes from a high-end digital cinema camera. But aside from that, and really part of why I do the lens sensor LUTs and a camera setting specific to that lens sensor combination is to keep you on the right track so you don't have to do a lot of color correcting. So your image, it retains highlight detail, it retains shadow detail, and it has integrity when you capture it because you know you're not probably not capturing it in RAW. Most people can't afford RAW video right now. And so to maintain the professional look, you have to really control the settings right. And so that's my main thing actually I'm doing is helping people get the right settings um, for that lens sensor combination so that it can look, without much grading or color correction, it can look like an image from a high-end camera. I'm not saying the images are the same, but they can end up looking, the end result can look very similar. And that's the hard thing to to swallow for those who have been in the industry for 25 to 50 years. Another thing that's a really huge difference is in-body image stabilization. So, you know, I've heard people say real filmmakers don't use IBIS, you know, in-body image stabilization, or real filmmakers don't use autofocus. Well, I'm still in that boat because um, I have a Panasonic system. So I know Let's just add laughter in the background here if I were doing sound effects. But the point is, Panasonic autofocus is not that good, so I'm still using manual focus right now. But, hey, good thing to learn anyway, right? So if you're a true, let's just say it that way, if you're a fake filmmaker, maybe you'll use autofocus, right? If you're a fake filmmaker, you'll use IBIS, in-body image stabilization. If you're a fake filmmaker, you might actually uh, not be shooting in RAW right now. So... These are my two target audiences. And how could you make these two get along, right? It's kind of humorous in a certain sense. But really, I want to give an example of a guy who I think has really, really got a great attitude in this area. And he's on YouTube, and I've just started following him very recently. 
And I want to tell you his name here because I totally recommend him. He's an expert. He is a, he's not a fake filmmaker. And yet his attitude is so open to innovation that it's just so refreshing. So let me give you his name here. His name is Carlos, but I'm trying to find his last name so I can give you the name of his channel. Let me stop. I'm going to stop uh, the recording and I'm going to find his name because I really want to give it to you here because he's a great example of somebody, somebody with a ton of experience and background in filmmaking, and yet he's embracing things like in-body image stabilization. So, yes, love this guy, and I'm going to pause it and get his name real quick. Okay, so his name is Carlos Quintero, and he recently created a video entitled Real Filmmakers Don't Use IBIS. So I love his approach um, where he's got tons of experience, and yet he's using the technology to make the project work. Check out his channel, Carlos Quintero, uh, Carlos, and then Q-U-I-N-T-E-R-O. So he uses the same term I'm, I've been using, uh, fake filmmaker versus real filmmaker. And I almost I think we should do a hashtag about this or something like that, right? Fake filmmakers. But I've been using hashtag filmmaker as sort of my general uh, brand, I guess. And I'm, if I could fit the word fake in there, I think I will, because this just encompasses my, my concept or my philosophy of what makes a real filmmaker versus a fake filmmaker. And I think we can kind of see these two audiences merging together, which is excellent. I'm just excited because there used to be this sort of, you know, looking down on the new guy, you know, <laughs> calling them fake filmmakers because they didn't have a red camera or they didn't have a an airy or they didn't use or they did use image stabilization or whatever it was that caused the two audiences to sort of be separate. I think there's a kind of a unity coming, which is great because then they can work together. And, you know, some guy shows up on a set with a little teeny Sony, uh, a whatever. I'm not going to get into the specific uh, brands or uh, models, but the point is technology is creating the opportunity. The prices are coming down because of that opportunity or because of the technology. And I think what that's doing is it's making the entry level filmmaker into a real filmmaker. And I know there's always going to be experience, but as far as you know, the fast track to experience, now you don't have to have that $30,000 or $50,000 red camera system. And go back all the way to the beginning of this here and just say, all the way to the beginning of my philosophy, always shoot with two cameras. That's something you just plain can't do with a red camera or a large format type of camera. 